all know the damage that fires are capable of. What we don't always understand is the cause, behavior, and what to do in the aftermath of a fire. Today, you'll understand these aspects just a little bit more. Welcome to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. We will give you tips on fire prevention, how to deal with insurance matters, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Donna and Mike. Hello and welcome to Speaking of Fire. I'm your host, Mike Slatman, and I've been an expert fire investigator and now over 45 years of experience, and I'm honored to be a past president of the International Association of Arson Investigators. And this is Donna Ingram, past director of the IAAI, and I have almost 30 years in fraud and fire, insurance fraud. And you're now the membership chairman of the IAAI. Yes, I am. How about that? So, okay, so we got a we got a good show for you today. It's about commercial kitchen fires. Now, those who don't know what commercial kitchen fires are, it's just uh, purely uh, a, a, a fire that originates in the in the kitchen of a of a restaurant, and that has a, um, a hood system and a fire protection system. So we have a couple of experts here in fire investigations uh, in commercial kitchens um, as well. I, I work them too, and I've worked with uh, both of these guys, and they're just terrific. Um, now, what the first our first guy is Chip Barnhart. Uh, he's been um, specializing in commercial kitchen fire losses for a number of years and uh, has uh, a uh, Barnhart uh, Consulting uh, is, is his uh, company. And uh, he uh, used to work as a... a uh, for a manufacturer and a wholesaler of suppression equipment, so he knows uh, all about them, and he does product training and technical uh, support. He he did for that manufacturer, and then um, he also went to many fire losses, and that's how he became involved and uh, and was uh, working fire investigations in commercial kitchens. And we also have Bill Allman, who is a um, ALMON, uh, who uh, works for FireTech. And he is uh, he's a firefighter, but he also has a associate's degree in uh, I mean a bachelor's degree in fire science from Columbia University, and has worked at uh, full-time jobs as fire suppression system technician and firefighter. Now we'll start with you guys uh, first of all, Chip. Um, you uh, yeah. you've been in the business for a number of years, and. Uh, and you also are a pilot, which I think is terrific, so you can fly yourself around to some of these losses. But uh, uh, talk, talk to me about how you, um, how you got even in with the uh, with this commercial kitchen systems. Well, I came about it about a different way, and uh, welcome, everybody. My name's Chip Barnhart, and uh, I came about it a little bit different than everyone else. Uh, I came from, uh, I was a professional pilot for a, a number of years, and then... Uh, Things just kind of weren't making a lot of headway there in the mid-2000s, and uh, I got uh, got a job at a manufacturer and wholesaler fire suppression equipment, and I was hired on to do technical support and product training because I had a pretty uh, substantial and strong background in training uh, people and uh, somewhat complex things in my past uh, uh, experiences. So I got hired there. I had to learn how to do uh, learn all about the product. So I went out and installed them with some installers, and I uh, got mentored into uh, the teaching uh, side of it and the technical support. And uh, one day, uh, the owner of the company came uh, wandering in, and he says, uh, well, we got to go to Pennsylvania tomorrow. I said, for what? He goes, well, we had a fire. So okay. So uh, I went down, and uh, we attended a fire scene, and that was my first one. That was in uh, late 2006. And uh, after that, I kind of picked up uh, when those came in at the manufacturer besides doing my uh, training and technical support duties there. I went and attended the uh, fire scenes as a company representative there. And uh, in 2013, I left and uh, went out on my own. And uh, frankly, I found the uh, fire scenes and the investigating a lot more interesting than what I was doing. And I've been doing that uh, ever since as a full-time duty. Oh. Fantastic, and uh, you know, I really, uh, I know that I've, we've worked a, a number of them together. Yeah, yeah. in in New York City, and yeah. uh, and that's a different that's a different world altogether. And also in in uh, California and other places through and in Florida throughout the country. But um, you started your own company called Barn Barnhart Consulting Services, right? And that that's uh, that's relatively new, isn't it? Yes, I started it in two thousand thirteen. Um, 
again, I just uh, kind of hung my own shingle and said, uh, here, I'm a specialist that can help you with these uh, pre-engineered fire suppression systems and kitchen fires. Um, I investigate a couple other things. I investigate uh, aircraft uh, fires and uh, commercial motor vehicle equipment type fires also, stuff that I had an uh, industry background in. And uh, so I kind of came about this uh, business a little bit different uh, than everyone else. I didn't really come from an academic background or a uh, public sector background like many. Uh, mine, mine comes more from the product side. So, so I imagine that you're, you're traveling quite a bit. Uh, well, I'm already a gold member for uh, 2018 on uh, Delta Airlines oh. in uh, 2017, <laughs> this, in the first three months of this year. So, yeah, I, I travel all over the country. Uh, that's the name of the game in this thing. Uh, you go where the uh, fires are. They don't come to you. <laughs> right. It, well, the, as a gold member, like, do they, like, come out to the lobby, pick you up, and carry you in, and then give uh. you... A lot of drinks or what What happened? Uh, no, actually, I think they just charge you more on your ticket because they realize they've got you hooked. So. <laughs> I lo- I, that's my favorite airline. Okay, uh, Bill. Bill, uh, you, you're, now you came into it from uh, uh, as a firefighter. You've always uh, you've been, since you were a child, I understand you, were, you wanted to be a firefighter. But how did you get into these uh, fire suppression systems, uh, being a technician and firefighter at the same time? Well, what it all started out when I was um, just fresh out of high school. I started working for a um, fire suppression company here out of Nashville. And uh, the gentleman taught me about the suppression systems, about the hoods, how to install them, how to service them. Uh, we also did fire extinguishers and, uh, you know, vehicle systems and clean agent systems. And so I, had, I got a good, vast background in that. And as it progressed, I got my degrees from from the colleges, and then I was able to get hired on at the Franklin Fire Department. And through working here, you know, seeing all the different fires that I go to, you always have that question of what actually happened, how did it occur. And these guys would come in that were on the fire department, these fire investigators, and they would investigate the fires, and they would be able to tell where it started and how it started, and it just fascinated me. So I um, I started mentoring this guy, or using them as mentors to me and I was watching them and learning from them and it just uh, it developed from there and then I'll shortly after getting hired here at uh, at Franklin I got hired at a uh, independent uh, insurance fire investigation company and started working for them and found out that there was really no not a lot of people who did kitchen fire systems and had the knowledge that I had and the background that I had in the kitchens and commercial kitchens and fire systems and the hoods and what have you. So um, I used that expertise and applied it there and, and then you've got under, your, under water under the bridge. We just started growing from there. Right. And you've got your own company now. Um, so it's the name of FireTech, right? FireTech. Yes, sir. We started uh, FireTech in 2009 and we started it as a um, as a suppression company, installing the fire systems in the hoods and uh, selling fire extinguishers and doing the maintenance on them. And um, from there, it just developed into the investigation side of it as well. So we do, now we're doing origin and cause investigations as well as the product failure or answering the what happened to the fire systems when they didn't work. And it's fire tech is T E K, so that uh, people when they when they want to find you, uh, they can they can look you up at fire tech T E K, uh, fire dash tech I guess. Uh, well, anyway, Bill, I've seen you in New York City too. Now, uh, not that you and I have an an extra accent that uh, doesn't come from New York City, but uh, we we go there and <laughs> and the fire investigators there are. Um, well, I, well, we've run across different levels of, of experience and training. Um, I think, I don't know if you were involved in the one where that was the first uh, investigation for that particular company had ever done in fire investigations. And that's, uh, that's kind of tough. When in commercial kitchen fires, a lot of people believe some myths. Uh, one of them is that all the fires start in the ductwork. Would you kind of, uh, we're going to get back to, to Chip in a minute, but uh, you're, you, I cer- certainly you said you had mentors that are on the fire department. Now you're probably mentoring fire departments, so you're not teaching them what really happens. Is that correct? 
Yes, I do, yes. I actually teach down at the fire school here in Tennessee, and I've talked to the National Fire Department. So I've I've gone out and I've actually taught fire investigation of these people as well, and as far as it goes for the commercial kitchens. Right, and so the so the myth that the that the that the fire is starting always in the ductwork that is a myth, isn't it? Yes, sir. And what what you're looking at there is we do have grease and contaminated grease from the cooking that collects on the interior of the hoods and the plenums and in the ducts, and it it stays there. And without proper maintenance and cleaning, uh, it will accumulate and it will create a fuel package for us and. We get our ignition source actually from the cooking surface, so we'll have like a cooking surface fire that will start, but then because the filters are dirty or contaminated and the plenums and the ducts are contaminated or grease covered, the fire will actually contact that, and that's an additional fuel package, and the fire will advance from there. So mainly our ignition source is coming from the cooking surface or the cooking appliances rather than something inside the hood because there's not... There's not really any, um, inside that hood, there's not any ignition source as far as in the plenums or in the ducts that could start a fire. Right. And, you know, and that, and um, Chip, I know that that's been your experience also. Um, when we go to these fire scenes, uh, and, and you went with, with me as, as, uh, uh, as my uh, special uh, expert, uh, my subject matter expert, uh, what do you find um, is... I mean, I, it's probably similar to that, but what do you find some other uh, problems with people believing some myths about fire, uh, assist, uh, commercial kitchen fires? Go ahead. Well, Mike, basically the commercial kitchen fires, there's a lot of them that are very similar, and then you have some outliers that come from uh, uh, different things. And again, Bill addressed the, uh, the fire started in the duct. Well, no, the fire usually started on the appliance line and got propagated into the hood and the duct. Now, remember, everybody, when you're looking at a commercial kitchen, if you've never been in one, you basically got a configuration that consists of appliances where the cooking are. Some of them have open flames. Some of them have vats like fryers. Um, but basically, they all have uh, a fuel in them. A lot of, a lot of them have uh, uh, vegetable oils and, and, and other things that can catch fire that they're, that they're doing your cooking on. Then everything is contained. It's caught by this, by this hood. We call it a hood. Basically, it's just a piece of sheet metal that goes over the appliances or hopefully over all the appliances. I think you guys know what I mean. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's supposed to capture all the uh, vapors, the grease-laden vapors that, that come off this cooking uh, process. It's supposed to catch the steam, the smoke, all that good stuff, and if need be, the fire. And then and after that, you have a ductwork that leads up to a uh, place where it ex- exits the building and the ductwork is basically just a way for that uh, to get out of the building and there's usually a fan up up top of that and uh, what happens is you know there's a lot of miscon- cons- a lot of people misconstrue that the, the because they see the damage in the ductwork or they see the damage up into the hood that that's where the fire started and uh, that that's just not necessarily the case and Bill already laid it out basically there's a lot of fuel packages in there and it really comes down to uh, you know cleanliness inside the, uh, the the kitchen itself the appliances and the the hood system so uh, you know there's appliances cleanliness and there's equipment maintenance issues there's all sorts of stuff like that that you need to sort through on these losses yeah right and um, as a matter of fact uh, you know We've worked in um, multi-story buildings in New York City, and uh, and it can cause really uh, millions of dollars worth of of damage. And uh, quickly, a lot of yes, quickly, yes, correct, quickly. And and they always uh, have a similar uh, story. And the story, I mean, here's the similarities. There's always this sound, this sound, this roaring sound that they hear after the ignition of the the. the fuel, which is the grease, and that's a roaring sound, and, and it comes up, and it, all that is is the uh, we have a we have that a fan on top, and of course, uh, the, the, it's operating and it's pulling the fire upward, and and you have this fuel package uh, igniting, so they're hearing this roaring. But um, I wanted to talk to you again, Chip, on this. Is you just talked about a cleanliness issue? It's really up to um, the owner of the 
restaurant to make sure that the that it is cleaned properly um, because they establish there's an actual establishment of of um, of times that you're supposed to clean these things uh, whether it's a solid fuel system or if it's just a, a regular um, grease uh, laden thing uh, but um, it's NFPA 96 the standard for ventilation control and fire protection of commercial cooking systems um, is is kind of the governing uh, standard is that correct that is correct and it gives guidance to when cl- cleaning is supposed to be done on these uh, these ventilation systems and, and again that's just removing that excess fuel uh, removing it out at a regular interval, and the restaurant is responsible for getting that done. Now, they're, usually they're not responsible for doing it themselves. They subcontract to a uh, cleaning company that specializes in that. But basically, that's one of the, the parts of the cleanliness. The other one is the appliances and the filters. Occasionally, the filters will get cleaned by a cleaning company, but oftentimes that's the restaurant themselves that they keep the filters clean, they are supposed to keep the appliances clean. And again, like I said, sometimes the filters are also cleaned or they have a service that does them, but you know, that's just generally, they have other things they need to keep clean too, and it's the appliances themselves. Make sure that they don't have excessive uh, grease buildup. But really, uh, cleanliness is a, a big issue on these uh, kitchen fires. Yeah. Okay, well, yes, that is. And, and Bill, I wanted to talk to you for a second. You, you've you also uh, installed these systems and inspected them. And uh, so there's really multiple people. There's the uh, duct cleaners, and there's also a fire protection company. And they, they're the ones that are supposed to look at the system itself and, and change the fusible links. And maybe you can tell our general uh, public audience what a fusible link is and who's supposed to clean it and, and what are they supposed to check or something. Okay. Yeah, what what a fusible link is, is it's installed inside the plenum area, which is behind the filters above the cooking appliances. And what that does, it's just like a a piece of metal, and it collects the heat, or it's set for a certain temperature for that um, particular area. And they're usually anywhere from 280 degrees all the way up to 500 degrees is typically your your temperature range that you have and at that preset temperature that link will release and it releases a tension that's placed on it through a cable that's connected to the fire system and then it uh, allows the fire system to automatically discharge and spray the chemical on the fire in the plenum and then the duct and then also on the cooking appliances so the fusible links you know they they've got to be changed different manufacturers have different requirements Um, some of them require them to be changed every six months some of them are requiring allowing them to stay in place up to a year. So, but every six months the fire system has to be inspected, and during that inspection, the inspection company, the fire fire suppression company, is required to have the manual present and follow those steps detailed in the installation manual or owner's manual for inspection of the fire system and. Parts of that is replacing the fusible links, and the majority of the manufacturers out there now are requiring them to be replaced every six months due to the amount of grease that accumulates on them. And uh, as grease accumulates on this fusible link and on that piece of metal, what it does is it uh, creates a blanket over it, and it changes the temperature at which that fusible link will activate it. It actually makes the temperature higher for what the link was actually intended to service for. Right, so so grease can build up on these fusible links and, 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 and in essence defeat them, is that correct? Yes, yes it can, and, yes. And then and that uh, that uh, when the uh, the tension's released on that cable, then uh, in, in a lot of the systems, uh, a, uh, it uh, activates a cylinder which uh, charges the system, and then the the particular type of uh, fuel. Uh, I'm sorry, the uh, type of uh, suppressant is sent through the uh, through the, through the um, system over the. Uh, hopefully, the nozzles are are pointed at the proper things. That sometimes that's not true too, and not only are they underneath the hood, but they're not pointed properly. But then uh, then that's uh, that. What hap- Tell them what. Tell people what happens when that when that suppressant comes out. 
when it suppresses and discharges, you, you have nozzles that are in, on the end of pieces of pipe or um, the distribution pipe, as we call it, or the, the piping network inside that's installed in the hood. The chemical flows through that from the agent tank to the nozzle, and once it reaches that nozzle, it will discharge out, and you have different flow points of nozzles. And what a flow point is is just a specific amount of chemical that that particular system is designed to discharge. You can have one flow points, two flow points, three flow points, even half flow point nozzles, and each one is specifically, each nozzle is specifically designed and intended for that particular hazard, which would be your duct, your plenums, or the cooking appliance that you're protecting. And so you may have multiple different nozzles and spray patterns coming out of those nozzles for those particular hazard areas. And what happens is, is when that chemical comes out, it will discharge onto the hot surface or onto the surface that it's intended to spray on, onto the hazard surface. And then it does what we call, um, it saponifies. It basically makes a, a foam blanket over the cooking surface of the hazard area. And that's how it extinguishes the fire. That's great. Yeah, that's true. It smothers it in essence, right? And then if you, but if <laughs> you worked one where I'm, I know I've worked one before, where what the, what happened was the the, the manager came in and removed the uh, the suppressant from the top of it, and then of course immediately it burst back into flames. This was a uh, this is a, dr- a, a fryer. Go well, ahead. that's something I was going to point out is in all of these steps we're relying on humans to uh, install maintain and give proper information aren't we yes we sure are um you know the system works uh, this is chip again the system works two different ways it works automatically through the fusible link system that bill just detailed and it also works through a manual pole station so if you're a kitchen employee you Mm -hmm. see a fire flare up not only you know you can wait for the Usable link to operate and and keep the and get the suppressant system to uh, activate, or you can reach over and pull this nice handle that uh, every employee should know where it is, and uh, it automatically activates the suppression system at that point. And besides spraying this proprietary chemical that uh, saponifies over these uh, hot grease. uh, appliances and, and cooking areas, it also cuts power and fuel to the appliances, and that's very important besides sending an alarm or signal in uh, various cases. So really this thing comes down to you know, the cleanliness, there's an equipment maintenance component of this, and then there's employee actions and training. Right, and when, in fact, uh, we've, I've seen the... the um... I've seen that sign that says, uh, if you pull this, you become unemployed <laughs> So, because it sets the system down. Now, there is, uh, there's, uh, I want to bring this up before we get uh, any further. There, there is a book out there that a lot of, uh, of fire investigators might uh, get as a, as a basic model for taking a look at uh, a commercial kitchen fires. It's called A Guide for Commercial Kitchen Fires, Prevention and Investigation. And it's written by a guy named Phil Ackland. And Phil, um, in fact, I was trained by him to be an instructor. But Phil has a, had a fire investigation company, still has. But it's not Phil Ackland training on the Internet. Uh, that, that's an entirely different thing now because he, he sold that. But he's still putting out um, these guides. And uh, so that would be a little basic, uh, you know, understanding the system. And, and, um, and I'm sure that you, uh, Chip, uh, and I have both... Uh, uh, read this uh, this book, and um, in fact, I was uh, uh, privileged enough uh, myself and and a guy that works with me, uh, uh, Kirk Hankins, both past presidents of the International, to contribute to this guide. So I guess I'm doing a little self-serving thing here by by mentioning the book. However, um, that is uh, appropriate, is it not, uh, uh, Chip? To um, uh, to you know, as a kind of a basic primer. Yeah, it's 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 a it's a basic primer. It lays out all the steps that you you need to take. Um, you know, it certainly uh, can. It puts you in the right direction if you're investigating one of these fires. Um, you know, however, uh, all answers are not contained in in this book either. It it, it really uh, you know there's technical manuals, there's NFPAs, but this book is it's a great resource and it's the place to start. 
uh, but there's there's various uh, other other reference materials that come into play because these things are uh, these commercial kitchen fires they they have a lot of different components to them and a lot of things going on and uh, but this this book definitely will get you get you headed in the right direction. Right, and so I and I appreciate that, and and I'll tell you we're going to be breaking here in a moment, but um, what we'd like to do is with you two experts in this area, we'd like to hear a story from you about uh, some kind of a, a fire loss that you've worked uh, in. You can be anywhere, and uh, and and just kind of tell us a story about what happened, and that when we come back. Also, I I'm really interested in in hearing the kind of uh, this. Um, this kind of investigation takes a particular type of expertise, so I'd like to I'd like to come back with that um, whenever we come back. We'll come back with your stories, and then we'll talk about the expertise that you need to investigate these fires. Okay, all right. Without you guys, you are we on board for that? Absolutely. Sounds good. Okay, Bill. And okay, and so um, let's uh, come back to speaking of fire. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Fire Consulting International provides consulting and expert fire origin and cause investigations. Our experienced, certified fire investigators have specialized skills to meet litigation requirements. We also provide peer review of reports for other investigative firms to assure they meet NFPA guidelines and ASTM standards. Educational classes and CEU classes are also provided. For professional investigations, contact Fire Consulting International at FCIFire.com or call 913-262-5200. FireAnalysis.net offers cutting-edge, comprehensive programs unique to the insurance industry. Our vendor vetting assures regulatory compliance with the Sarbanes-Oxley Act, NFPA guidelines, and ASTM standards. We ensure that investigators' reports are in compliance with those standards. We also offer comprehensive programs to assure compliance with your company guidelines. Please contact FireAnalysis.net. That's FireAnalysis.net. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Listening to Speaking of Fire with Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram. To call in to today's show, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to connect at speakingoffire.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to Speaking of Fire. Thanks for joining us. Before the break, uh, we talked to you both about uh, giving us a story. And, Bill, I wanted to start with you. We'd like to hear an interesting story from you. Well, I've I've worked a bunch of these fires, and the the one that pops into my mind is one that I worked um, several, about, about two years ago, I guess I started on it. And, of course, you know, a lot of these, they go a long time because we have to bring in engineers and, and um have to have testimonies and things like that, but it, it, it takes a while to actually get down to the to the end of these cases. But uh, the one that pops in my mind was one that I had. It was actually here in Tennessee, and uh, when we were talking about the cleanliness of the hoods and everything just a few moments ago, this one popped in my head, and it had to deal with the hood not being cleaned, and I think it had been like two years since it had been cleaned properly. And but oh, most wow. importantly was the cooking appliances and how they were arranged underneath the hood. And what we found through doing our investigation and then reconstruction of the the actual kitchen itself, uh, what we found was that the cooking appliances they had a char roller, which puts out a tremendous lot of heat. 
right underneath a salamander that was maybe 18, maybe 20 inches above it. Well, what had happened is is that charbroiler had built up so much grease build up on the bottom of that salamander that was right above it, which is basically a warmer where they set the plates when they're waiting to, to serve them. And grease just continued to build up underneath there. And then they had a little small flare-up fire on the charbroiler, and it ignited the grease buildup that was underneath the underneath and behind and basically all around this salamander, and it ignited it. Well, mm-hmm. everything would have been great if it had just went right on up there. Well, not great, but it would have been better if it had just went right up into the canopy of the hood and let the fire system discharge and spray on it and put the fire out the way it should have. But what happened is there was a gap between where the hood was mounted to the wall and it had had grease build up in there as well. So we had a fuel package there and the fire just traveled right straight up the back of the wall. Well, when I get to the scene, they're all, everybody, all the investigators, everybody is saying that the fire system didn't work. It wasn't um, designed right. It wasn't, it didn't extinguish the fire properly. What we actually found was that it, Actually, the fire was because there was so much grease there and so much fuel package, not only on the appliance, but behind the wall from that gap that mm-hmm. it just ignited and just ran up the, out, the backside of the wall and went all the way up to the roof. And so the truth truth of the fact is that the fire system was actually okay. It was installed okay. Uh, now, the cleanliness of the hood and appliances, all of that played into the factor, but... But even if the fire system... Oh, I was just going to say, everything that you've laid out, I'm seeing so many angles, and that's that's what you have to do as an expert is, you know, was this installed properly? Is it maintained properly? Uh, What happened uh, when the fire happened? And and all these different things. So uh, that's quite a that's quite a thing for you. That was, that's a good catch, too. Yes, yes. It, and there's a lot to it. There's a lot to these fire systems other than just coming in and saying that the fire system, fire suppression system didn't catch the fire and didn't put it out. It, it could have mm-hmm. been that the fire system did actually discharge because these are only well, single tank systems in some cases, or we'll call them one, one-shot systems. They'll discharge one time, and then like uh, what Mike said earlier, if they have a, another fire, the the chemical gets wiped off the cooking surface, we could have another fire that comes right back. So mm-hmm. in some cases, we might have a fire that's continuing to burn because of the grease buildup of the fuel package that's there, where the fire system actually extinguished the fire, put the fire, knocked it down, and then because the expellents are the extinguishing agents already discharged, it's gone. Now we have a fire that comes back from grease packet it's already it's still burning and we have another fire that happens yes and and you guys um it takes a a good expertise to do that chip um um you you've had a you have an interesting story for us i'm sure that you will echo exactly what bill just said that uh that uh, there are so many variables it's in like every fire investigation you can't just hang your hat on one thing is that correct Oh, that's absolutely, and my my story is, uh, I'm going to give you, because it's well past the statute of limitations, just kidding, Uh, (laughs) it's the first one I went to in 2006, and uh, I was with a manufacturer, and just to lay out everything here, uh, three different parties were were there. There was the manufacturer, myself, and uh, we had hired a uh, origin and cause investigator and engineer type guy. Uh, that specialized these things, and I, I worked with him and learned a lot. Um, myself was there. Uh, we had a, a guy there that was representing the suppression company, uh, the suppression servicing company, and we had a guy that was uh, working for subrogation, basically working for the restaurant to recover uh, the, the loss from this thing. But basically, it was a pizza shop, real nice new place overlooking a lake in the northeast, and a younger guy owned it, maybe 28, 30 years old, and his father was in the restaurant business for decades. This comes important later. And the son wanted to buy him out and move to this uh, very, very nice locale. So this is a nice family-run thing, very, very clean on the inside and uh, overlooking. And, and all these cleanliness issues we talked about earlier, they weren't there. But, however, here's what happened. 
Friday night comes, and the uh, owner himself was working back in the kitchen, and he was uh, cooking with oil and basically tossing it in a pan and making it go, can anyone guess? Whoosh. He's basically letting it catch on fire, okay? And uh, due to the cooking thing uh, he got. However, he had a little much too much oil and let it get a little bit too far uh, out of control, and the fire really was gone to the point where he was having a hard time holding the pan. Now, this is all this happened, it's underneath the hood. What he did was he immediately grabbed the pan, kind of got himself burned a little bit, and he moved it out from underneath the hood. Uh. Okay? <laughs> so now it's burning on this butcher block table, and uh, he has some uh, bottles on there. They were vodka bottles, if I remember correctly. <laughs> Unfortunately, they were not uh, glass vodka bottles. They were plastic, and they were filled with cooking oils to be used. And uh, so this pan's going pretty good, and inevitably he started melting some of the bottles. They caught on fire, and now he runs for a fire extinguisher. A fire extinguisher he comes back with is one that is painted red. <coughs> <laughs> which is a ABC fire extinguisher, uh, not the type preferred or what we would ever recommend to use on a grease fire. If you work in a kitchen, you should grab the silver one, the Class K extinguisher that is a special type of agent and uh, configuration meant to put out these fires. So he hit it with this ABC fire extinguisher, which proceeded to take the grease and blow it all over the kitchen now. Mm -hmm. And the grease being on fire... So now the whole, his whole backsplash area is on fire. Eventually, at some point, the hood catches on fire. The suppression system goes off. But apparently, still, this pan, which was a large pan, really had a, had a lot to it, and he grabbed it once more, and he ran it out the building. Now, we go into the investigation, and this kitchen's pretty well burned up. He's got a, you know, a slight burn over his face, and he, he basically is telling us what's going on. There's burn marks going out the building, out into the parking lot. And uh, that's where out there, he got the pan out there. It was like Hansel and Gretel, these burn marks all the way out there. And he threw something over the top of it. And uh, Curious George took over. He took whatever he put over the top of it back, I guess, to look at it once more. And it reignited and burned him in the face. Oh. <laughs> okay. So in this situation, what I'm trying to, to say was you have the suppression system in there. And there were, um, there were some, uh, there, was, there was a couple uh, things that were, uh, not quite right with the suppression system, but they didn't really have anything to do with the fire. And that's something important that, that we got to sort out on these, these losses. You may find things wrong, but did they really contribute to what happened? And, th and that's the biggest thing I can tell people investigating these. That's nice you found something wrong, but is this what happened and caused the fire or caused the failure of the suppression system? And right, so there's cause was, and there's a, during the analysis you find yeah. variables and and cause might not be exactly the same thing as as the um, um, what they believed a malfunction was correct exactly and in this case was all that was wrong with the fire suppression system is the cover plate was not the appropriate one to be on this it operated properly uh, it put out whatever fire was underneath the hood, and, it, and it, some did get there. It did everything it's supposed to. However, what I'm showing you is the employee action in this case. Not only did he start the fire, he spread the fire. He was ineffective in extinguishing it, and then he um, basically didn't do anything he should have and ended up getting himself burned, uh, luckily not too badly. But uh, it was just a, it's a case where you had to go work through all these things uh, that, that happened in this. And, and really, a lot of times, it really does come back to employee actions. And, and again, you know, you've got to really spend your time and evaluate, did the suppression system have something to do with it? Did grease buildup have something to do with it? Or is this an employee action? Was this some sort of an accident? What, 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 what happened here? And, and, and it really can, can take a lot of expertise to do that. And this, this example I kind of showed you, he kind of did almost everything wrong. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can and, see that. And it, well, Jamie Novak always says there's there's three causes for fire. Always, it's men, women, and children. Yeah, okay? <laughs> <laughs> that cause fires. And then the other thing too is, 
I want you to address just for a second, Chip, uh, and I'll come to you too, Bill, for your experience. But Chip, um, like in 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 your own kitchen, uh, there's a grease fire. People take inappropriate actions and and throw water on them and make them flare up, or they do some other things. Now, in your experience. Um, in the in the fire in, in in commercial kitchen systems, you should operate the system. I understand yeah. that, even though even though that a lot of the uh, restaurants uh, get aggravated aggravated mad at you because if you did it because it takes them offline for for until it can be recharged, etc. But in your own kitchen, what do you think the best thing is? Because you've got this experience in Greece, what do you think the best thing to do? The best thing in your own kitchen is hopefully you have something that you can uh, smother the fire with. Um, you know, I, looking at my, I'm in my own kitchen right now. Uh, I work out of the house, and I'm staring at my my uh, my kitchen range. And uh, you know, a lot of people will say throw baking soda on top of it. Okay, well my baking soda is up right above the range in the cupboard above that. <laughs> <laughs> Um, basically, try to turn off the heat source. If you can get the uh, the appliance to shut off without getting yourself burned, try to smother it somehow with a uh, something that you can just basically stop the oxygen from getting to this thing. And, and don't touch it for quite a while because you need the temperature for this thing to go down or else if you uh, risk... Uh, you know, on uncovering it, it will light back off. Um, obviously, yes, do not use water on it. That will splatter it. And and really, you know, get get the heat source out of there. Shut the thing off if you can and try to smother it. Uh, in my case, you know, people have used baking soda on kitchen fires. And, we, and Mike, you and I have worked one. I believe they use that uh, milk or baking soda on a kitchen fire. We've seen that. Right. And, right. and uh, milk. You know, is, is milk. milk. Yeah. yeah, I think you were there, yeah. Bill. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah. You know, it was, uh, it was, you know, it's, it's a common thing. And that, that's something else that we need to realize is uh, Bill and I can tell you from the, uh, the, the side, you know, where I worked for the manufacturer talking to the guys, I taught them how to put these systems in, gave them the class to certify them. And, uh, Bill, you've gone out and done the servicing far more than I have. Um, how long, these, these, these fires in these commercial kitchens happen all the time and nobody ever hears anything about it. Uh, because right. A, either the suppression system worked properly, or B, it just never got got to the point where, uh, where where the suppression system activated. It was contained by the hood. There wasn't the grease buildup, and a lot of times the employees will do exactly that. You know, however, uh, that's kind of some negative training because uh, when you do have one where the uh, all the things do line up to cause this to be a uh, calamity, a lot of times the employees will will do some sort of a uh, action like that in a, in, in a reality. It's long past the point where they should have been calling the fire department and uh, activating the pole station. And then if uh, safe, if it can be done safely, attacking it with the Class K, the silver fire extinguisher. Right. And Bill, you, you've uh, worked a lot of, I'm sure, as a firefighter and, and, and in, our, in our field too, injuries. Now, one I wanted to do, and I want to underline this for the general public, don't, don't pick up that, that skillet or that pan that's on fire and try to move it and take it outside and stuff. And he'll give you a terrible story from my past, and that is this, uh, uh, this lady had a, had a kitchen fire. And she saw it was a skillet that was on fire. And she was going to go out the back door and throw this grease, and it was just grease, uh, out, the, out the back door. Well, she ran to the door, and she threw it, and she threw it right on her daughter who was coming in the door. She didn't, just threw it right then, and, and it burned this child uh, a lot. And so, um, and, and, again, the child carried those uh, those uh, scars forever. Um, but Bill, what what kind of thing can you talk to from the fire, uh, not only fire investigator standpoint, but from the fire department? Uh, what is your advice to the general public about these kitchen fires, both in commercial and and uh, residential? Definitely in in residential and in commercial fires. Anytime that you have any type of fire at all, don't hesitate to call the fire department. You know, have have somebody. If somebody's there with you or if you have another employee that's close by, have them call 911. Even if you did pull the pull station and it extinguished the fire, 
you know, the, the fire department's here to help you. That's what we're here for. And uh, we're not here to make it hard on you or make business owners where they, it, they can't get open. We're here to help you and to do it safely. And so if you have a fire in a commercial kitchen and you do pull the pull station and you activate the fire alarm or you activate the, um, excuse me, the suppression system, and even if it does put the ext- extinguish the fire, or even if you use a fire extinguisher and you extinguish the fire, give us a call. Still call 911. We'll send the trucks out there. We'll check. We'll check for these duck fires. We'll check and make sure that there's no more fire anywhere around or that the fire hadn't gotten into the wall. We can use what they call a, uh, a thermal imaging camera where we can heat, see heat signatures. And we'll be able to check and see if that fire spread beyond what you can actually see with your with your own eyes. And, you know, the... And even in your home, even at your house, even if you have a, a cooktop where you slid the plate over it and smothered out that skillet, you know, it, it varies on how long you need to leave that sitting there. Best thing to do is just call us. We can come out there. We can take a look at it. We can even get the smoke. And a lot of times we can get the smell out of your house for you with the big fans that we've got. So the the main thing I'm, I'm trying to press there is just saying, hey, don't be too embarrassed or too ashamed or or feel like you're bothering us when you call us and tell us that you've had a cooktop fire or that you have one currently that's going on. Uh, it's better to have us come on out there and help you put that fire out, and we'll be able to assist you in getting back in business or making sure that your home is safe to sleep in that night. And, and it takes a, a special type of training to actually determine what the cause of these uh, fires are. I mean, you can determine where the um, where the area was, but then to actually cause uh, the cause. And and you and you, you are a specialist, Bill, and so are you, Chip. And you've taken courses and you've uh, you've had this uh, experience with the different systems. And uh, I know that um, insurance carriers and attorneys. Uh, use you guys as expert witnesses. Do you have some? Uh, do you have? Uh, do you have um, any uh, expertise? Both of you, I know, do uh, testifying as experts in commercial kitchen fires. Yeah, um, I, we sure do. Um, you know, we get notified uh, by insurance companies and law firms, and we go out and investigate uh, after these things. Uh, you know, there's three parties that you may, three or four parties, I guess I should say. You might be there for a manufacturer. You may be there for a company representing a service company, whether it's uh, a um, suppression service company or it could be a duct cleaning company or it could be an appliance manufacturer. Uh, all sorts of people might hire you for your certain expertise of evaluating these fires. You may be there for the... Uh, opposing side, which would be the insurance carrier's uh, expert uh, law firm usually hires them, and they're there to try to recover the money for the insurance company if it was someone else's fault. Uh, That would be, you know, working on the plaintiff's side. And you might be there for as simple as, uh, especially using in in certain high-density cities, the smoke from one of these fires gets into other other, uh, places, and you might be there for exposure. However, no matter who you're there for, you got to go conduct the investigation and, again, find out what happened and uh, provide a, a good evaluation for that and be able to back it up with, uh, with, with, with fact-based uh, uh, fact patterns of what happened here. And you need to be able to explain that to people. And especially if you do any witness work, you need to explain it to the layperson of why this worked, why it didn't work, why it should have worked, why it shouldn't have worked, why it wouldn't have mattered in this case. Uh, you need to be able to really talk about all those all those things. And, and this is, uh, you know, there's uh, probably nearly half a dozen manufacturers of suppression equipment that go in these. There's countless numbers of hoods. Uh, there's countless numbers of appliances, and then you have to evaluate it against what kind of building construction you have in these uh, situations also. And you got to kind of be able to put it all together. So that's, that's kind of the expertise Bill and myself offer, and Mike, you too, because you do the origin and cause on this stuff. And uh, it well, really takes a, uh, a team. It does. It takes a team, and that's why I use you guys uh, to, to assist us. Um, NFPA 96 uh, is the standard for ventilation control and fire protection of uh, commercial cooking operations. We actually use that 
um, as a uh, as the standard, and we uh, see uh, whether or not they're complying with it. Uh, I'm I'm lucky enough to be an alternate to uh, Phil Ackland on that committee and that NFPA committee, uh, technical committee, and so uh, the new. The new 96, the 2017 edition has been issued. So for you fire investigators out there, you need to get it. I know that you, Chip, and, and Bill um, have that already because you're you're looking at that, too, to make sure that everybody's in compliance. Is that correct, uh, Bill? Yes. Yes, we keep all the current editions of 96, uh, 921, uh, 17A. We keep we keep all of those on hand, and we reference back to them when we're doing these investigations to make sure that everybody's complying with them. That's great, and and, and well, see, that's what we've tried to do on this show is we try to help people. Uh, Helps people if they have a fire and, and, and preventing getting injuries and preventing uh, uh, fires in the future. Um, I'm going, we've only got a couple minutes left, so I'm going to ask each of you, Chip, what's your best advice uh, if you're running a restaurant? What's your best ad- advice for f- to keep from having fires? And we've only got All two right. minutes, so keep them best short. Best advice, please. cleanliness. Yeah. Make sure your appliances are clean. Your hood and duct are getting cleaned by a contractor. Make sure your equipment maintenance is being taken care of. That means your appliances and your suppression system. And make sure your employees are trained on what to do if there's a fire. And there's several different actions you can choose depending on your business size. Okay, and Bill, you got about 30 seconds. Tell me what you think, too. I think the same thing Chip does. Uh, cleanliness, make sure that your contractors that you hire, they're reputable, and make sure that they show you before and after pictures of what they've cleaned and the work that they've done. Great. And, you know, and, and I've seen those so many of them that they're not under the they're not under the hood. So they moved that fryer out from underneath the hood. And, and you guys both uh, addressed that. Um, now we want to talk about what. Oh, I just wanted to say thank you for for sharing all this information. I'm so glad you guys are out there to figure this out. Yes, we, we thank well, you for your we thank you for your expertise, Chip and Bill, and, and you know that you and I are going to be working together in the future. Um, now we want to talk about something next week. Or next week. Oh, thank you, guys, by the way. Uh, thank you. Okay. Uh, next week, uh, we're going to be live on TV, uh, voiceamerica.com. I'm sorry, voiceamerica.tv, and we're going to be on for nine hours, in essence, uh, from 8 o'clock Pacific to uh, 5 Pacific, and one of those hours is going to be this show. So if you want to listen to our show, that would be great. If you want to watch us on TV, Donna looks great. So it's online, voiceamerica.tv, hit live event, and we'll be on there. And we're going to talk to hundreds of people while we're there, and we're going to we're going to bring a good 30, 30 people on for you to meet too. Yeah, it's the International Association of Arson Investigators International Training Conference, and we'll have a lot of international people on there, and so uh, people from Hong Kong and from other countries and from South America, etc. And how they're going to do their fire investigations. It should be very interesting. And uh, and hopefully uh, I won't lose too much money in Las Vegas, um, <laughs> but Donna doesn't doesn't do that. No, so I don't do that. Come back to next week, uh, TV and radio. Come back to Speaking of Fire. Thank you for tuning into Speaking of Fire. Please join your hosts, Mike Schlattman and Donna Ingram, for another edition of our program next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember to be careful this week and every week.